0: As has already been said, today we are celebrating the day of Pentecost, the day when the Holy Spirit descends upon the gathering of the earliest Christ followers, and they become the church in the world. Let us hear how Luke in the book of Acts explains that day. Sucederá que en los últimos días, dice Dios, derramaré mi espíritu sobre todo el género humano. Los hijos y las hijas de ustedes profetizarán, tendrán visiones los jóvenes y sueños los ancianos. Dacar si chipesterobele mele, voy turna enzile la chela de un duple me, chipol prorochí. Y je ferai de choses merveilleuses dans le ciel en haut, y de produs sur la terre en bas a In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Guess let help me thank these friends for sharing with us this morning. Thank you. It's a beautiful picture of the languages, the cacophony of sound that articulates God's good news in languages that we understand, in languages maybe that we don't to start off this morning, I need an illustration. I need 120 people to stand. So to do that, we're just going to imagine, we're going to pretend that this wedge of people on the bottom floor right here are equal 120 people. So if you're able, would you please stand for a minute and just stay standing so that we can visualize what 120 people look like. So sorry for those of you who are sitting up there. I know, I know it's hard to visualize, but stay there for a minute Because what I want you to see is that from 120 people, the only known Christ followers in the entire world, 120 people, came a movement in the world where today house churches in China and mega churches in Southeast Asia and a religious ceremony in a chapel in London yesterday morning in catholic churches in latin america and country churches in ethiopia and churches all over the world are worshiping god because of what happened with 120 people that started in jerusalem 2000 years ago you can have a seat thank you what was it that was the catalyst for that movement where 120 people were used to change the world. The story of Pentecost takes place in Acts chapter 2. We've already read it. I want to walk us into the text here uh, here this morning. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. So let's pause right there. Pentecost just means 50th. In the Jewish tradition, it was 50 days after Passover. So you should imagine it as 50 days, about seven weeks from the time when Jesus' death and resurrection occurred. So 50 days, Pentecost means 50th. And it says they were all together in one place which is a really polite way of saying they were huddled together because they were scared and had no idea what to do next. So they were all together in one place, verse 2, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. A violent, rushing, mighty wind fills the house. Imagine being in a room and a hurricane or tornado were to tear through and the sound, you couldn't hear anything but the rush of wind and things were being thrown about and you were filled with confusion. This was not a nice, easy breeze because the window was open. Verse 3, divided tongues as of fire, which Jody helped us imagine a little bit ago, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. Now... We should at least take away from this that a tongue rested on each of them to mean that this was not a work for some of them, for their leaders, for the ordained, that this was a thing that God was doing in each and every one of them. They all received the gift here from God. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. If you were to go back and read chapter 1 of Acts, what you'll see is that Jesus, when he comes back to spend time with his disciples, they want to ask all kinds of questions about what's next. All Jesus wants to talk about over and over again is the coming of the Holy Spirit, that all that will matter for them is if the Holy Spirit comes. And so this is what happens in verse 4. The Holy Spirit comes, they begin to speak in other languages like we just heard here on the stage, other languages and dialects from the known world that would have been present there in the city of Jerusalem for the festival of Pentecost as the Spirit gave them ability. So make no mistake this morning, this is a work that God is doing. This is a thing that God was doing in their lives. So how did, in the year 30 A.D., 120 Christians grow so rapidly. Sociologist Rodney Stark in the book The Rise of Christianity tells us that by the year 100 AD, 70 years later, there were about 7,000 to 8,000 Christians in the world. By the year 300 AD, 200 years after that, there were 6 million Christians in the world. 50 years later, 350 A.D., just over 300 years from the time of Jesus' death and resurrection, there were 33 million Christians. Over 50% of the known world consider themselves to be Christ followers. How did this happen? What was the catalytic moment? It was nothing less than them receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. Over the next 10 weeks as a church, we will study the book of Acts and look, how did the Holy Spirit work in the life of these mostly poor, mostly uneducated Christ followers to expand his kingdom throughout the world? What did God do in their midst? And so today we just want to look at how God used them, how God stepped into their life, how God transformed their trajectory so that they became the people of God On mission in the world. Something powerful happens in that room with 120 people that is like a rock dropping into the water, and the ripple effects started, and they continue to go, and we feel the effects of that ripple, of that power of the Holy Spirit's coming today. Now, to understand what happened, we have to understand where Pentecost comes from. So, Pentecost is the Jewish festival that commemorates God giving the law at Mount Sinai. I promise this is going somewhere. This is not just pastors trying to be nerdy about stuff. Uh, at Mount Sinai in the Old Testament, God has led the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery. And Moses leads them across the Red Sea with God, and they get to Mount Sinai. So at Mount Sinai, Moses ascends the mountain, fire comes down and surrounds the mountain, and then Moses, after talking with God, descends and brings the law to the people. And the law was intended to help them live in right relationship with God and with each other. And the Pentecost festival was for them to celebrate the giving of the law. And so Luke, the author of Acts, and the early Christians would have known that in in Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends into heaven, fire and wind come down and fill the room, and the Holy Spirit descends with the law not written on tablets or on paper, but written on human hearts that Jesus has transformed them and it transforms the way they live in relationship with each other and in relationship with God. It is the Pentecost event which sets in motion God's work in the world, in the life of His church. The church receives a mighty wind. And what we're going to see is then the church becomes a mighty wind in the world. So what does it look like For them to receive a mighty wind. The first thing I want you to see is that when the church receives a mighty wind, it shakes loose what stands in the way of responding to the love of Jesus. It it shakes loose what stands in the way of responding to the love of Jesus. Have you ever been paralyzed by fear? Have you ever been paralyzed by something, by fear? I can think of being a teenager. And standing on the edge of a platform with a rope tied to me that I was going to bungee jump for the first time. It sure felt safer on the platform. I can think of coming to work and having to have a hard conversation. It sure felt safer in the car. I can think of sitting down with my wife and applying for the adoption process in Ethiopia. It sure felt safer to keep putting off the paperwork right we can be paralyzed by fear and these 120 disciples were in the room huddled together because they had no idea what to do next they were paralyzed by fear and what the holy spirit does is he comes in and he upends and dislodges and displaces every attachment they have which makes them think that they're safe He upends it. He shakes them loose of their fears and the things they're holding on to for comfort. Because the thing was, the room where they were gathered was a safe place. Until it wasn't. Until it was filled with the mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit. What we see is that all of the things that we think make us safe and comfortable will not last We must walk through the hard times, we must walk into fear, we must let the Holy Spirit shake us loose of the things which stand in the way of us saying yes to Jesus, and us saying yes to the things that Jesus is calling us to. Because many of us live with the fears, and we never get beyond them. And if we would just let the Holy Spirit shake loose the fear in our lives, then we could walk into the things, the beautiful things, maybe the hard things that God has for us. And the mighty wind in this moment shakes loose the fears of the early church, which sets them in motion to change the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so not only does the wind shake loose their fears— But the mighty wind does something else. The mighty wind brings new words so that the good news can go to new people. New words so that the good news can go to new people. The room is filled with flaming forked tongues that separate and land on each of them. Let me just say, this was not normal for them. If if, if at any point you're assuming that they've seen this before, like, oh, yeah, it's the tongue thing again. Like, no, this is bizarre and weird. And they know it. And it does something different in them. Here's what happens. Let's go all the way back to Genesis 11. Genesis 11, the people of earth decide, we, we'd rather be God. Let's build a tower. It will go up to the heavens and we'll get God and we'll replace him. And God says, oh, this looks bad. And God tears down the tower and he sends the people all over the earth and he gives them different languages. And so in the story of the Tower of Babel, languages become a barrier to humanity. But what happens at Pentecost? Languages are no longer a barrier to people knowing and understanding who God is and having a relationship with Him. The Tower of Babel is reversed in this story. And people become invited to hear the Gospel in their own language from people who have no idea what they're saying or talking about. They just know that God is using them. And sometimes it takes trusting that God is using us, and we don't have all the right words, but we're willing to step into the gap because the Holy Spirit has grabbed us and sent us into the world, and God desires to use us, and we trust that. And we don't have to be perfect because God is the one who has his message that he is sharing and sending into the world. And so the Jewish people, primarily those 120 in the room, were given new words To share the good news to new people. And that would have been profound for them because they had been a part of a religious tradition that said that God is primarily for us and not for them. And so God, even in this moment, has to shake loose their attachments to the way that they have shaped their religion to believe that God was just for us and not for them. Now they have to see in this moment that the good news is for everyone. For those who are like them and those who are not like them. So in the story of Pentecost, the good news is for everyone. And when we celebrate it together, we are celebrating this is not just good news for those who are like us and with us. This is good news for everyone and we should lean into that and trust that. And so once once the Holy Spirit, the mighty wind has shaken loose their fears and has given them new words, the third thing the, the mighty wind does is the mighty wind scatters and sends the messengers where they are needed. Sends the messengers where they are needed. It reminds me a little bit of... My car right now, which I park outside and it's covered in yellow dust. Anybody else have that problem? The car is covered. If you park in a garage, you obviously don't have that problem as much. Here's the thing. My car is not under a tree and yet it's covered in yellow dust because the wind takes the pollen and scatters it and sends it. And this is a beautiful thing because I'm reminded that without pollen, flowers wouldn't bloom and trees wouldn't be healthy and we wouldn't have the beautiful outdoors that we have. And yet it's so annoying when I'm sneezing all the time and taking Zyrtec every morning. (laughs) But we don't get flowers blooming without pollen and we don't get pollen scattering without the wind. The mighty wind takes things and scatters it and the, the church experiences that the Holy Spirit, the mighty wind, takes them and sends them out into the world to be used for the glory of God. You are called and sent if you've said yes to Jesus. Now some of us say yes and are sent to places across the world. Emily, our new missions pastor, came here. She and Kyle came to us from Congo, right? They were sent there for a few years. Some of us are sent to Zambia for a couple of weeks, or we're sent to Nicaragua. We're sent to faraway places, but many of us will find ourselves sent to southwest Minneapolis and Edina and West Bloomington and Manitonka. We'll find ourselves sent to schools and families and workplaces because wherever you go, if the Holy Spirit is in you, you are sent there to testify to God's love with the words that He gives you, that you are the church and the church could not stay 120 people in that room. The church had to leave the room And the gospel could not stay in that room. The gospel had to walk out because the church not only received a mighty wind, the church became a mighty wind. And I've shared in the last couple of services that that phrase has struck me wrong at times, that the church is a mighty wind. But I've come around to it because here's the thing. We receive the power of the Holy Spirit And then we walk out into the world and as the Holy Spirit goes, so we go as well. We become a part of the mighty wind of God in the world that God desires to use us to upend the fears, to bring new news to people and to be messengers sent to the places where we find ourselves, that we are a part of the wind and we only do this. We can only do this because Jesus has first loved us, and Jesus has put to death all of the brokenness and the sin and the sickness and the fear that would keep each and every one of us huddled in the room, looking out for number one, believing that there's nothing more valuable than ourselves and not leaning into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we believe that Jesus, in his death and resurrection, puts to death our sin that stands in the way of us living fully attentive to God and to God's Holy Spirit in the world. So when we say yes to Jesus, we're saying yes to the mighty wind that does not require anything of us but does not leave us the same. It will transform you and change you as you walk out into the world. Our future as Christ Presbyterian Church will not be tied to buildings, renovated or not. Will not be tied to budget and pastors. Our future as a church will be tied to our willingness to listen to the wind of the Holy Spirit and to say yes and to lean in and to make room for God to work at our lives, work in our lives, and for us to play along. Our future as a church It's tied to that mighty wind that as God goes, we walk behind him and we do the work that he calls us to when we listen and submit to the Holy Spirit. This is not because of anything we've done, but because God has first loved us in Jesus Christ. You are called to be a part of the mighty wind in the world. The book of Acts closes by telling us that the gospel went forth with all boldness and without hindrance. With all boldness and without hindrance. Because the church, the church transformed by the grace of Jesus and called by the power of the Holy Spirit went forth as a mighty wind in the world. That they lived and loved in response to being deeply loved first by Jesus Christ. We know we, we know at a head level, right, the church is not a building. The church is a people. The church is a people called to be the wind in the world. So this summer, this spring, I don't know what season it is right now. <laughs> it's hard to tell some days. When you're out doing yard work, when you're taking a walk around your neighborhood, when you're on the lake or at your cabin, when you, he- when you feel the wind hit your face, let it be your reminder that you have been sent by the one who loves you. Let it be a reminder that God is never not at work in your life and in the world. Let it be a reminder that you have been loved deeply in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we thank you for this day where we can step into the story of Pentecost We can pause and take a deep breath and look around and ask, what's happening? What are you doing, God? And how can we learn to play along? God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would have his way with us, that we would learn to submit to him, that we would say yes to all the places you're calling us to. We pray for all the stuff that we carry into this room and the stuff that we will walk out of here, that we will learn what it looks like to live in obedience and cooperation with you. We pray for those who need to know Jesus. They need to say yes to Jesus for the first time, That you would convict them that there is so much here. There's a different life waiting for them, a life in your Holy Spirit, a life in the mighty wind. We love you and praise you. May our lives be submitted to you. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Amen.